you know, the corporate media is very, very obsessed with money, with money. And they, they want to know how much are you making? Because that's what they view as, uh, you know, the big marker and measurement for whether a candidate is, you know, really uh, connecting with an audience. Well, Bernie Sanders numbers that came out today, I'd say he's connecting and then some. Senator Sanders raised, let's go to the, let's go to the numbers. Senator Sanders raised 18.2, 18.2 million dollars, 18.2 million dollars uh, over 41 days. So the first quarter is measured uh, by three months. So that would be 90 days. Bernie Sanders campaign, only been 41 days. Raised 18.2 million dollars from 525,000 unique donors. Average donation, 20 bucks. So even smaller dollars than the last campaign, which was $27. Uh, it's not on this article. Uh, the, av- the majority of donors were under the age of 39. So you not only have the millennial, which is kind of, you know, 18 to 34, also have 35 uh, to 40, which is a good sign. So the majority was under the age of 39. Um, what I think Oh, and 900, uh, they just, just missed 900,000 contributions. So 525,000 donors uh, from 525,000 people donated a total of nearly 900,000 donations or, you know, contributions. What is also important, it took them much longer. I I think it took them, uh, let me get my tweet here. It took them 41 days to reach 900,000 donations, whereas this time, uh, excuse me, in 2016, uh, it took them 146 days to reach 900,000 donations. It took them 41 days to reach 900,000 donations this time. And uh, like I said, majority of donors under the age of 39. And when you add in the money that Bernie Sanders already had, when you add in the money that Bernie Sanders already had from previous campaigns, he has $32 million. So he raised $18.2 million since the beginning of the campaign 41 days ago uh, from 525,000 people. So that's like $413,000 a day. That's a lot of money. But to me, the money is not the most important thing. The, the most important thing is 525000 525000 And I tweeted this. Compared to Kamala Harris, who had 138,000 unique donors, uh, that's a lot. That is almost 400,000 more donors, more people that donated. And he did it in 29 less days than Kamala Harris. I'll get to Mayor Pete in a little bit. So Bernie Sanders raised 400,000 more unique donors in 29 less days than Kamala Harris. Also, Bernie Sanders has a low, significantly lower average donation, $35 lower, which indicates that Harris had more max donations from wealthier folks. And by the way, uh, I had reached out to the Center for Responsive Politics yesterday. We should get, we should get information uh, on actual donors who's donating to Senator Harris and Beto O'Rourke and Amy Klobuchar, and Cory Booker, and Kirsten Gillibrand, and fill in the blank, fill in the blank. Uh, we should get that. Uh, I think the deadline is April 15th 
for them to file with the FEC. So we should start having information, which I'm going to dig through so you don't have to. Uh, we should have that information uh, in the middle of April, who's donating. But like I said, if, Ka if Kamala Harris has an average donation of $55, that would indicate that she is making more, there's more, more donations coming in from wealthier folks. And uh, I think this NBC News article, which for the most part, kind of played down Bernie Sanders' uh, money. But at the end, they, they say, uh, Harris appears to have raised more of her money from larger donors with an average donation of $55 compared to Sanders' roughly $20 million, excuse me, roughly $20, and pulling in only $6 million online, less than half of her total raise. That's kind of important. So if you raise $12 million and ha half of it came, on, came online, well, in general, small dollar donations come online. So I'd like to know where the other half came from. Uh, it doesn't mean that the other half that wasn't online are all mega wealthy people, but it does mean small dollars wise, it seems that most of her small dollar donations uh, were from online and that would indicate nearly half nearly half of her total of 12 million came from small dollar donations meaning the other half probably came from more maxed out donations more wealthy wealthy bundlers uh wealthy people maxing out but doing it spread across several donations to try and get the contribution amount up so you know, Kamala Harris's numbers, I'm not saying raising $12 million isn't impressive. It is. But it depends what do you actually have a grassroots movement behind you. Because if half of your total comes from small dollar donations and the rest of it, the rest of, you know, the other $6 million come from more traditional big money interests, can you really say, I'm for the people, Kamala Harris, beg to differ. But... The devil will be in the details when we find out uh, in the middle of April who is donating. But Bernie Sanders, average, do average donation of $20, 525,000 people, 20%, 20% of his donations were new, new people. Uh, and the majority of his donors, I think 88, excuse me, 88% uh, of his donors were uh, under, under $100 which means that they could keep on donating and keep on donating and keep on donating because the max amount is 2800 2800 The other thing that really struck me, not trying to pick on Kamala Harris, but got to keep it real, she got 20,000 less individual donors than Mayor Pete Buttigieg. I think I'm pronouncing it right. A small town mayor from South Bend, Indiana. And he had less two days, two, two less days. And frankly, that 70 days of Kamala Harris versus 68 days of Pete Buttigieg is a little deceptive anyway, because it's not like Pete Buttigieg's announcement speech or anything was like, it's not like he was getting media coverage in the beginning. So he really, even though he's been technically in the campaign and running just as long as her by, you know, two day difference, he hasn't gotten media coverage until basically the last few weeks. Kamala Harris, the day after, the day after her announcement, CNN fluffed her pillow for an hour. Oh, I mean, had a town hall with her. So, I mean, the fact that a United States senator with, 
you know, a lot of branding for the people. And a lot of the usual suspects, Hillary Clinton's people, a lot, if you look at her fundraisers, a lot of the people going, a lot of the people giving money are the same people that gave money and went to fundraisers for Hillary Clinton. So, I mean, a U.S. senator who's got, I mean, CNN has covered her extensively, so has MSNBC. Uh, by the numbers, she has a less grassroots movement than Mayor Pete, who is, uh, also had a lower average donation of 36, 35. I haven't covered Mayor Pete extensively because frankly, I don't really care. And if you care, let me know in the super chat and I'll do a segment on him. But, you know, he's not for a Green New Deal. Uh, He just came out basically saying, I have a comprehensive climate uh, plan, but he's not for a Green New Deal. And he, which is telling, I mean, I've covered a lot of things in Indiana. He's from Indiana. Indiana is one of the most regulatory lax states in the country the 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 worst the worst as far as lazy and lax regulation there's pollution run amok in indiana obviously there's the east chicago water crisis uh excuse me lead crisis uh but the water was affected too which i covered at the young turks so he's not for a green new deal he says he's for medicare for all but doesn't want to get rid of private insurance he's kind of one of these like you know let's check the box i'm for medicare for all but he's not for a radical change of the system because he's not for getting rid of private health insurance. Bernie Sanders has not, you know, private health insurance on the margins can still exist under a government plan. But Bernie Sanders says we need to radically diminish and essentially all but eliminate it. I mean, other countries with uh, universal health care, you can go to private doctors. You know, there is, there are private doctors, but there's not a very... Uh, expansive lobby that is the private health insurance industry. And that's the difference. So Mayor Pete, you know, he sounds great and fills that box. Oh, he understands the Midwest. He's from the Midwest and yada, yada, yada. Sorry, he could be Bernie Sanders department, uh, you know, secretary of something, but not getting my vote, not getting my vote. So I think this is pretty important. I mean, CNN is kind of like, uh, I heard a reporter today say, only 525,000 uh, unique donors, like framing it, like it's a big disappointment because Bernie's campaign really was pushing closer to like a million, uh, you know, individual donors. But I got to tell you, he's been, he, his campaign launched 41 days ago to have over half a million people donate to your campaign. million, not taking a dime of corporate money, not doing any fundraisers with big dollar donors in Hollywood or Wall Street or anything. I mean, you know, you know what you're getting with Bernie. That's a damn impressive thing. That is a very, very impressive thing. And I think the other thing, and Beto Beto O'Rourke, for example, he's been in uh, the race a lot uh, lower, excuse me, a uh, a lot less long than uh, Bernie Sanders. I think he's only been in it for 17 days compared to Bernie Sanders' 41 days. But we kind of got the same creative math from Beto O'Rourke. When he released his first 24 hours, he was reporting it in contributions, not individual donors. So like Kamala Harris, I mean, it's right there. 138,000 donors compared to 525,000 donors. One, Bernie Sanders, is a grassroots army. 138,000 donors... It's not nothing, but it's not a grassroots 
army. It's just not. I mean, that's a big, big difference. And again, you're talking 18.2 million majority, large majority from small dollar, $20 donations. Kamala Harris, definitely a mix of wealthy donors, bundlers, and all that. I think we're going to see the same thing with Beto O'Rourke. When his uh, numbers come out, I'm sure he'll release them standing on a bar so we can all look forward to that. So what does this mean? What does this mean? I don't really want to get into the political ramifications of of will Joe Biden run now that two women have come out. Uh, I still think he's going to run short of a lot more uh, women coming out, making it pretty much politically insane, politically a non-starter for him to run if you start seeing more women coming out. I happen to believe, you know, I don't want to really play a predictions game because it's a serious topic. topic. Um, him being, you know, touching and kissing women and, you know, smelling hair or in the latest example, playing nose nosies with a woman he didn't even know, barely knew. Um, I do think you might see more women coming out. This is a man who's been in public life for 50 years, nearly 50 years. And I mean, all you got to do is look at the photos, videos. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's other women out there that have been made to feel uncomfortable. And frankly, the first two um, accusations were, and, and they said it themselves, do not ra- rise to the, you know, me too kind of whatever that standard is. Uh, but you might see women come out with, with stronger accusations. So we'll obviously follow that. But I think what's important here, and I didn't get to ask this question. Bernie Sanders' campaign had a press call this morning. Uh, I followed up with his campaign manager, so I'm waiting to hear. But all these polls, and I've been reporting on the fact that I don't think these polls are, are telling you the truth. And I've reached out to Quinnipiac. I've reached out to uh, CNN. I've reached out to Emerson. Still haven't heard back. Waiting. I don't think they're going to get back to me, but we'll see. Saying, can you tell me what the a- actual number in quantity, how many breathing, human breathing souls you polled that are age 18 to 29? Or age 30 to 45? Or age 50 and above? Because it's important. That's very important context. If you have polls that are showing Biden up over Bernie Sanders by 10 points, I want to see how many millennials are you polling? How many people under 40 are you polling? How many people over 50 are you polling? Not trying to offend our uh, older viewers, because obviously there's a lot of older viewers that support Bernie Sanders. But, well, I mean, Bernie Sanders obviously has a huge advantage among against Biden, Kamala, and others among millennials. So I think what you're seeing here is, you know, you're not getting 525,000 unique donors and still being beat by double digits in polls if the representative sample in these polls is getting a lot of those donors, right? So if in 41 days, the majority of Bernie Sanders donations came from people age 39 or younger, it just doesn't add up that the majority of his support is coming from people under the age of 39, yet He's being shown to be down double digits in these polls. Well, could it be that they're not really polling? They could be polling people in those age groups, but they are oversampling older people and undersampling younger people. And I went through the polls two or three times. They do not provide the information for how many, how many people are you are you polling? If you, one of them said thirteen hundred people. Okay, are you poll? Did you sample four hundred? that are age 18 to 29 or 40? Did you sample, you know, 500 
that are age 50 and above or 750? I mean, we should know because you make polls set a narrative. Polls set a narrative and a story. So we need to know what is the polling information? How many young people are they polling? Because it does not make sense to me that this, the Bernie Sanders is crushing in fundraising, majority under age 39, yet double down double digits. Something doesn't add up. So we'll see if they get back to me. And if they don't, I think that's kind of your answer. They probably aren't getting back to me because they don't want to give out that information because if they give out that information, then the jig is up. And they don't want, they don't want anyone to question the integrity of their poll, but you should question the integrity of the poll. We should know. Okay, it would make sense if they get back to me and say, oh yeah, well, we, we did sample more people over age 50. Well, then it would make sense that Joe Biden is up 10 points in a lot of these polls. So we could look at the poll with an asterisk. The, the mainstream media apparently forgot, apparently forgot uh, that Rick Snyder, remember him? Former governor of Michigan, uh, calls himself one tough nerd, I believe. Well, a judge, uh, a couple, I think it was last year, ruled that, uh, removed him, removed him from a a lawsuit. It was basically a bunch of class action lawsuits uh, that were pulled into one giant class action lawsuit uh, to basically get uh, funds, um, reparation funds, uh, because they were poisoned. A judge removed Rick Snyder from that fund. Uh, from that lawsuit as a defendant, basically citing some cockamamie thing that by Michigan law, he can't be sued. Well, a new judge has come in saying, that's bunk. Flint residents now can sue former Governor Rick Snyder over water disaster, judge rules. A judge says former Governor Rick Snyder can be sued by residents in the Flint water scandal, reversing a decision from last summer. Residents claim Snyder violated their right to bodily integrity by repeatedly doing nothing as Flint used corrosive water that released lead from old pipes. Judge Judith Levy says a right to bodily integrity is a, quote, fundamental interest protected by the U.S. Constitution. Levy says members of Snyder's administration had warned that switching had warned that switching Flint to the Flint River could lead to a potential disaster. Members of Snyder's administration. No, 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 that's not true. I think what she means is, I think what the writer was meaning, Levy says members of Snyder's administration were warned that switching Flint to the Flint River could lead to a potential disaster. The city was under state management in 2014 and 2015, state management because Rick Snyder put in an unelected emergency manager that decided in Flint uh, to switch from the Flint River, excuse me, to switch from Detroit's water system to the Flint River. And that unelected manager was essentially just a proxy for Rick Snyder. So essentially Rick Snyder decided to do this. Uh, Snyder's Department of Environmental Quality failed to require corrosion control. Levy, a federal judge in Ann Arbor, is overseeing lawsuits related to the water crisis. She released a 128-page opinion Monday. Snyder left office in January. He has apologized for failures that created and prolonged the crisis. How kind, how kind of the former governor to apologize, to apologize for failures that led to permanent brain damage, to permanent physical damage. I just spoke with a resident that I have interviewed. She is waiting for returns, uh, test returns to see if her cancer is now, you know, I hate to say it, but to see if her cancer has gotten to the point 
where it will be fatal. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not a religious person, but I'm definitely, you know, praying for her uh, and many other residents that I've interviewed. You know, the thing about this that, that's so crazy to me is, you know, for example, uh, my interview with Aaron Maté that we're going to air in a little bit, you know, we're talking about Russia Gate and how the media got things so wrong. Well, the media, the media is not only at fault when it gets things wrong. The media is at fault when it forgets how important certain things are. You know, all you have heard is we cannot normalize Donald Trump. Well, what is more abnormal? You know, the, the 24-7 coverage of a circus animal or basically after two weeks in a, in a lead-poisoned community where still to this day people are having rashes, still to this day people are losing hair, still to this day you see, I've heard, I've heard t- people telling me they're getting nosebleeds. And the long-term consequences, you have children forgetting letters in the alphabet, forgetting their numbers, slow, you know, cognitively, you know, really just damaged uh, to the point of developmental delays. You have children that could barely walk. Their bones have been affected. You have a city that is basically the walking dead, and nobody seems to give a damn, including the local media there. We do. And when you see this documentary, again, we're releasing it April 23rd. Myself, Jen, Ty, heading back to Flint for the five-year anniversary. We're, go- we're going back there because you're funding us to do it. Our GoFundMe is still going. Right now, we're at $51,385. We are creating a separate fund just for this trip because we're releasing the documentary through this trip. So we need a little bit more funding, not only for the travel there, but for marketing. We got to market this documentary. Unfortunately, we're not, you know, we're not distributing it through Netflix or something big like that. We're distributing it through us. So we're definitely going to need more advertising dollars. So please, please, please. Uh, Jen's working on creating the page for that. But until then... GoFundMe. And of course, of course, like I said, this, this documentary was only possible because of you. Statusku.com slash join uh, to become a member. Uh, that's how we're going to do this. So I hope if you've been on the fence, again, Ty's almost done with the uh, last trailer we're going to release before the documentary. And I think once you see that trailer, you're going to be even more inclined to support us. So, well, support us anyway before the trailer, but you get the point. But I guess where I'm going with all this is there's no accountability, period, anymore in America, whether it's the media screwing up on a story, whether it's the media totally, uh, you know, abdicating its duty, duty and leaving poor black and white people in Flint to basically die and fend for themselves. That's what's happened. Every time we have gone to Flint, and I've been there 13 times, every time it's so striking to me. Because if you are a real journalist worth your salt, a man, a woman, whatever, this is the story of a lifetime. Not only were these people poisoned by their own government, but it's been covered up after the fact. That's what this documentary is about. This documentary shows us knocking on 450 doors last summer and last fall to find out that the state of Michigan's top environmental agency cooked the books. They flushed residents' water lines right before taking lead and copper samples, meaning those tests were doctored, meaning the declaration that that Governor Rick Snyder, who is now back as a defendant on that giant class action lawsuit, that governor, when he declared a year ago 
April 2018 that Flint's water was restored. And then with that declaration, that's basically as much, that's like Flint's version of mission accomplished. He was George W. Bush, you know, fighter pilot landing, restored. And then he shut down the free distribution uh, water pods. There are still to this day people in Flint that do not have a choice but to drink water that I'm not saying it's 100% still contaminated. What I am telling you 100%, the testing was manipulated, and that testing is what they used to declare the water safe. So wise minds, common sense, I've been there. Why are people still getting rashes? Hmm? Why are people still losing hair? Still, five years later, why are people still having nosebleeds? The list goes on. Autoimmune cancers, muscle pain, bone pain. They don't have Medicare for all. That's one of the questions I was going to ask uh, Bernie Sanders' campaign chair today on the press call. As president, do people in Flint... I mean, if obviously their goal was Medicare for all for everyone, but until then, should people in Flint have Medicare for all? And not just Flint, there's plenty of other people that have been uh, poisoned and environmentally damaged all over this country from lead to arsenic to now PFAS, cancer-causing chemicals made from the manufacturing of uh, Teflon. There's no media accountability. So then I thought, you know, how does the governor of Michigan, now ex-governor, how does this man just get away? No accountability. He was the governor. He's the chief executive of the state of Michigan. There's been no criminal charges filed against him. And until now, until this judge decided this, he was not going to face any even civil liability. If there is no accountability for the media, if there's never accountability for actual politicians, how do we get change? How do we, as a society, gain protection from these people? Because if they could get away with it constantly, the next one who's just like him in another city, in another state, maybe yours... They can do the same thing because they, oh, he got off. Nobody's looking. Nobody's watching. I mean, in Michigan, it's, it's to this day one of the biggest scandals. Freedom of information requests do not, if you're a journalist, freedom of information requests do not apply to the governor's office. So you can't get, I can't get access to his emails in the critical time leading up to the Flint water crisis and that water switch. His, his office, you know, his office released some of the emails, but not all of them. So this is a good day for the people in Flint that he is now a defendant again on this lawsuit. But make no mistake about it. Rick Snyder, he's a wealthy man. And he's going to have the best damn attorneys money could buy. And he's going to have right-wing think tanks behind him. He already has a right-wing think tank behind him. It's called the Mackinac Center in Michigan. So, you know, yes, he might lose money. He might be liable and on the hook for a lot of money. But is that justice? Is that justice to the children that are forever damaged? Is that justice to the parents, many of whom I know that could barely get out of bed in the morning? Is that justice to the residents who have spent thousands of dollars out of pocket? One woman that I know has spent thirty to $40,000 out of pocket. Is that justice? 
Because if Rick Snyder gets away with it, I'm talking criminally. If he gets away with this criminally, the next guy or gal is going to get away with it. That's why I've been so passionate from Flint to the beginning. From the beginning to the middle to now. Because if you do not hold these people accountable, if the media does not continue to cover this, that's the playbook. And that's what people in other communities are going to look. From governors to lieutenant governors to congressmen to senators to city council to to dog catchers. If ground zero for environmental catastrophe, for environmental genocide, if nobody of significant level, I'm talking about the governor of the state where this happened, who, by the way, was trying to end the free water distribution to the poison people of Flint earlier than he did. He was kicking and screaming when a judge demanded that they deliver home-to-home free water, which they never did. So that's why I cover it. That's why we're going back end of April. That's why Ty has been working on this documentary pretty much night and day. For, for our business, it, it would have been smarter for us to have Ty work on a lot of other things to, to help us get more clicks or more this or more that. But we think this documentary is more important. So that's why we've had him working on that. And he's doing a great job. And I'm excited to play, play the trailer. When he's done with the trailer, I'm going to post it first for members. Uh, and then maybe a couple days later uh, for uh, the general public. Same thing with the documentary. So if you've been on the fence, I hope you'll consider becoming a member today. Statuscoot.com slash join. Because I could tell you, uh, as humbly as I could say it, I think you would be proud to support us once you see this documentary. 